Welcome to Project Echo. This is the University of Melbourne Hub Adolescent Mental Health Network Series 3, Session 1, and I'd like to acknowledge the support of the Victorian Government in the production of this series. Uh, it's Tuesday the 10th of May 2022, and this session's titled Mental Health Wellbeing and Recovery, What Does It Mean for Teens? And so tonight we're going to kick off our third series of Adolescent Mental Health Echo Network, and it's for clinicians um, and, and uh, colleagues working in school with school-aged teens. So welcome back. And to those of you who've been with us for previous sessions, I'd like to welcome you back and for those of you who are new a special welcome um, welcome to our community of practice um, so the COVID-19 pandemic crisis has created a context of stress disruption pressure change fear on a global level during this time we've witnessed and no doubt uh, experienced firsthand an increased number of young people presenting with distress and mental health issues this series will sit under an overarching theme of resilience and recovery and we will aim to build practices that will help um, to bear the, the stress and pressure borne out in the pandemic in mind when we're assessing young people who are attending our DIS clinics. We'll consider interventions relevant to our current context and we'll focus on some of those basics, thinking back to that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that need for food, shelter, sleep and safety, and consider how some of these basic needs may have been unsettled, um, may undermine health, mental health issues in teens, and we'll talk about how we can play a useful role in recognising and helping teens with these issues. But before we move into these conversations. I would like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we're all zooming in from this evening and I'd like to pay respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to any Aboriginal people connecting in today. Hi everyone, very, very lovely to join you again. As um, Bianca said, Series 3 that we're doing together and, and we're going to try and chat about all things young people's mental health um, in these uh, sessions. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist and I am the director of a centre called Mindful and we're a teaching and training unit for professionals in child and adolescent mental health. Um, so we, we're there for workforce training and development is our thing. So this image... An image of a biosphere and an image of a mature tree. This might seem a kind of fairly quirky thing to be kicking off with, but it relates to something I heard about, um, uh, oh, I don't know, in the last few months. And it was uh, describing how they were growing all kinds of things in a biosphere. You know, the scientists who do this research and indeed they were growing trees and the trees, uh, the soil was perfect, the water was controlled, and the trees grew fabulously up to a certain point, and then they just collapsed. And the researchers were saying that they began to realise that what the trees needed is they actually needed to be buffeted by wind, by storm, by rain, um, in order, in fact, for their cell development and in order to grow strong. And that struck me as a wonderful metaphor that young people and, you know, all of us, but we're talking about young people tonight, young people do need challenges, do need to be buffeted a little by a range of things in order to grow strong, to develop mastery, to develop coping strategies, to learn how to manage all kinds of things um, in their worlds. And that 
brings me to think about, and Bianca and I have been doing a bit of a thinking about, so what has happened during the pandemic? What has happened that may well have been problematic uh, in maybe not being buffeted in the way that we might expect at this developmental age? So hence the image um, and some food for thought as we go through these slides. So the first slide was thinking about the pandemic as a stressor. And I'd really like you all to, for a moment, stop and think for yourselves, for your families, for your communities, for your clients. What's it been like that we have had this thing, this stressor that has gone on and on and on? So it's not a single event. It's not even an event over a short time period, but an event over now getting on to the third year of, of this pandemic. What has this done for the students that you see, particularly at a developmentally critical time period of adolescence where a lot changes in a short period of time? And so we think about the hazard itself, the pandemic, we think about, well, are some young people more vulnerable for a whole range of pre-existing reasons? What about the, the different kind of stresses, the, the secondary stresses that resulted from the pandemic, but also to what degree everybody would, did not have, if you like, the same exposure? If you think about if you were situated in Melbourne with the longest and the hardest lockdowns, What's that been like for young people as opposed to those of you who work in rural areas where perhaps it wasn't quite as extreme in some regards? And on the flip side, on the green side of, of uh, this seesaw, how do we understand the young person's emerging capacity, uh, their coping strategies and indeed their supports? Again, that how... How supported is this young tree, this sapling? What's around them that is enabling them to manage being buffeted by the winds and the rains and, and the storms? And again, when we think about the last couple of years, potentially, what has been the impact of isolation and restrictions on social learning? Adolescence is a time of young people looking to their peers in the main for all kinds of things uh, and gravitating towards peers and away from family. Um, and, you know, it, it links with the increase in independence, the increase in mastery, the trying out new things. What's happened to the young people where actually suddenly you're stuck in a house with your family and you're not going to school you're not going to sports, you're not engaging in hobbies, you have also not got the school environment with, with all the various challenges and opportunities there. And what about what young people learn about themselves and what, what have they learned about themselves in this context of a pandemic? Um, have they learned things about persevering or have they learned something about having 
um, capabilities they didn't imagine for themselves or their family? Or has it been a story really much more of deficit and a story of missing out, of not having? And we have to imagine for all of our communities, there is this period of catch-up, but particularly for teens, a period of catch-up of growth of things that have been stymied in this last two years, potentially. Now, back to all of you working in disc clinics. Who presents and what do they present with um, your everyday uh, work? Well, they present with the regular stuff that they always present with young people. So you're, you will have the things that are familiar to you with anxiety, with mood problems, with self-harm, with young people maybe becoming even more avoidant and school refusing and sometimes other people being concerned, teachers being concerned, family being concerned about the young person, of their grades not being quite right, their ability to concentrate, their behaviour in class, their behaviour in the um, school ground as well. What, what is it that that is the concern? And when we think about the young person in front of us, we begin to do a kind of a bit of a sort uh, of are, there, are these young people at risk in some way? You know, the young people, we go, is this a young person who basically was travelling okay before the pandemic and this pandemic has been this stress or this hiccup, but essentially they're probably going to be okay? Or do we know that, in fact, this is a young person with pre-existing mental health problems or pre-existing struggles in various ways, academic struggles, peer struggles? Uh, or is this a young person where we begin to realise that there are a bunch of social risk factors that perhaps sit within their family or within their community? Is this um, information around family violence? Is there information around unstable housing or employment? What has happened that adds to the vulnerability, perhaps more of the context that the young person is in? And we, we do the sort of looking for red flags. Now, who is the young person in front of us? And we do have to think about it through a developmental lens. I, I, I was just saying that two years is an enormous length of time if you think about the difference between, you know, a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 16-year-old, an 18-year-old, two years of schooling, two years of growth, two years of potentially developing all kinds of skills in all sorts of areas, emotional and psychological and uh, scholastic abilities. How is this young person travelling? If it's a young person who has was travelling pretty well before the pandemic, then they are sitting on the more able to cope, more supports in their corner and maybe less of the vulnerability. And so we begin to really inquire for this young person, what's been their experience? What is it that's been stressful or what, to what degree was the pandemic disruptive? And also, was there anything that in fact was um, a positive thing 
for them, for or for maybe within their families, of something that was enriching, something unexpected. So, so we start to think about it in those ways. First of all, the young person who probably was travelling pretty well. Of course, on the other side of that um, seesaw, we meet the young people who were already struggling in various ways. And so they come to this event, this pandemic, this two years of disruption with more challenges and less abilities. And the pandemic serves to really amplify the difficulties and in the context where it's amplified for their families, for their communities, in their schools. And so we have that situation perhaps akin, the closest we've ever had, I think, is when we have those the massive disasters of the bushfires where it's the young person, the family, the community, everybody is stressed. But in this situation, there is there aren't people for whom the pandemic hasn't had an impact. And so that's sorting. Who's the young person? What was their pre-existing um, strengths or challenges? What's been the experience for them during these two years? And what have they missed out on? You know, what, what is it that in their trajectory, where might they be? And when you meet them, of course, in, in your clinics, you're, you're also thinking about, huh, is this young person at the level of concern around some challenging symptoms, I can't sleep, I can't concentrate, or is it at the level of, the, of a disorder? Whoops, I've got to get my, my mouse working properly. And we should expect a catch-up period we should be thinking, yep, these young people need some time to do some of that growing, some of that maturing that perhaps they've missed out on. Or perhaps it's patchy because, of course, you know, uh, growing and maturing doesn't happen in a linear fashion, but it happens in, as you know, from meeting teams, they can be super confident in one area, really struggling in another area or doing really okay academically, doing not so good emotionally. So, again, we expect a catch-up period and we are trying to have a sense of it. this may be what you are, this may be the young person that you're meeting. You're meeting them in this catch-up period. There are some uh, problematic or some concerning symptoms, but it will probably be okay. And what the job is here is to monitor, is to think about what supports are needed and is to look out for, as I said, the red flags. Now, this is a little bit of a busy slide, but let's kind of go with it. Um, and... If I can use my pointer a bit, here's our sort. Who's, who's the young person in front of us, as much as we can tell from, you know, sometimes it's handy if you know them from before or sometimes you're trying to ascertain this. Here is stresses on multiple, multiple levels that potentially 
have had an impact on this young person. And here is us trying to go, well, are we at the level of disorders and significant behavioural or emotional difficulties? Are we at the level of, oh, you know, hanging in there, doing all right, coping, catching up? Are we we probably not going to meet these young people, this group here, the, the group who, in fact, adapted and have have developed resilience and growth in ways that they may not have. Or we may hear about it in with regards to an area of their life. And it's good to kind of listen out for, was there something positive that they learned about themselves, something positive that they learned about their family or they experienced in their family or indeed with their peers that we're, that we're looking out for, that signs of resilience more so than just coping. Let me take you through this graph as perhaps a diagrammatic way of thinking about it. So here we have young people have all kinds of ways of coping under normal circumstances, pre-pandemic, well, whatever, however they manage. And then we have this crisis and it has an impact on people's coping levels. It actually takes away some of the things that are uh, the things that are the resources that young people use, you know, whether it is they exercise, they were part of a team, they did well at school, they were involved in hobbies, whatever it is, it requires a change and, and a potentially for some young people, we are catching them in this, in this, meeting them down here. They have struggled. They have ended up really not managing. Dysfunctional is kind of not a great word, really. It's more like they're really overwhelmed, not managing. And here we are. We're meeting them somewhere now and we're wondering about, ooh, what's going to happen as time goes on for the young person in front of me? Oh, and here we go. We have a few squiggly lines that I forgot I should have clicked. And, you know, these things go up and down. The pandemic happened, some adjustment, things going okay, maybe another thing happened, another lockdown, a family crisis, boom, you know, another problem. Oh. And that's just another version of the same thing. Thank you. You put in a few coloured lines for me. But what about... Sometimes we are, are what well, we hope we're going to meet young people for whom we get to hear about an adaptation phase. It started to look like this, and then learning how are we going to live during the pandemic? How are we going to learn during a pandemic? How are we going to socialize? How are we going to meet people? How are we going to do all the things that we would usually be doing in our lives in a different way. Um, and again, when we meet them now, are we, are we already here? This young person is telling us about, no, no, it's, it's okay, or they're already, there are signs of, yep, yep, they managed okay. We're listening out for these um, hints or we're listening out for these um, flags that, there has been adaptation and there has been a capacity to change in terms of 
coping ways of coping and and a uh, not just bottoming out, but actually it's starting to lift. And let's take the next one. We will, of course, hope that we have young people where we do we hear about this adapting phase or we will assist them with the adapting phase or other people have and indeed this recovery phase this back to a level of stability back to um, having a range of tools in your toolkit for how you manage um, stresses but of course it's not just the pandemic of course other things come along so the young person in front of you, do you think they're sitting here? Do you think, oh, no, they're, maybe they're up here? Or indeed, might you meet some young people where they've been doing okay, but maybe there's something else that's happened to them? So it's a tricky one, this, because we've got a huge time frame to consider and what has happened to a young person over this over two-year time frame at this very developmentally critical period. And that's, you know, I guess that's the art of what we do, of being able to think about things in multiple, at multiple levels to then be able to work our way through what might be helpful for this young person now. So, Bianca, I know you've got uh, a case. So do you want to... Do you, do you want me to continue to? Yeah, no, you've got another slide? couple. Yeah, we're good for time. Um, and I think there was maybe just a, a reflection also again about, ah. um, um, you know, how this is looking as the young people do come back because, I, you know, I, and I, I think we will talk about this in the case, but it is that idea that, you know, for some um perhaps the pandemic offered afforded some things so if those ones who had maybe social anxiety or some kids who maybe felt they could construct a learning experience in lockdown that worked for them then they're returning to the schools and the kids are often I don't know I think it's a bit like going back to the zoo the monkeys are all rattling the cages and it's quite it's quite a live environment every time you know we came back out of lockdown and and it's slowly settling in but there's kind of like new things that are coming up and so I guess Sandra and and I were reflecting on this slide and of course we're not to rep, try to rep, we try to simplify the complex but in a way those bouncing lines do really continue and um, I think that uh, as you were describing it just now Sandra you know it's on the one hand what do people naturally do and 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 how do they naturally adapt and recover but also where do our interventions sit to help promote that uh, those innate adaptive and recovery um, yeah, strategies. and you know, and if we and if we go back to thinking about that analogy of the growing tree, it's a bit of a balance, isn't it, of that sapling in that soil with the right things around it, but also the difference between if you've got the forest around you to help buffer, or if you're the standalone, or if you're really not a lot of supports around you and, and made more vulnerable because of it. And that's what we're trying to think about um, in this circumstance with the young people during this two-year period. So I think I'll on to the next two, if you like, Sandra. I think we do then have just, we will have a little bit of time for questions and we'll move on to the case. Yep, okie dokie. So this is the usual assessment framework that's... Um, 
we think about, you know, uh, what's going on now? Why this young person presenting now and why like this? Um, and that's really the nature of a formulation, um, the understanding the young person um, within their current context and this thing, a pandemic that has changed context forever. And, again, we do that uh, think through the predisposing. What was it about this young person uh, pre-pandemic perhaps that made them vulnerable? What's the now? What is it that is happening now for them that they are in your office? Um, what might be the things that make it harder to recover? Um, what the perpetuating things? And is it something about the young person and the lack of skills or the lack of maturity? Is it something about their family context? Is it something about scholastically where they're at? What is the perpetuating and protectively? It's always really important that we look for the something that is protective. What is it that this young person has, again, already in their toolkit? They don't come as a blank slate. The fact that they are in your office is already protective. The fact that they have rocked up to school in, in however they've managed to do that is protective. So we're looking for those things and being able to note that with young people. And we're doing that. How, what's the level of severity? That's always our job. We're ruling in, we're ruling out. We're thinking of function and we're thinking about adaptive, maladaptive and you know, what's what back to what's the context? And when we when we have our intervention hats on, it's what will we do? How will we do it? And who do we need? Who do, who needs to be in this young person's corner? Who's who's there already potentially, or who do we need to bring in? And we are we support that catch-up, if you like, and by all the things that are on this slide, by the things that restore calm, by the re-engagement in the meaningful activities, by the opportunities to grow, for young people to try out new things. Now, what's it been like for young people who should be out there trying things to have had two years of you can't go out? Two years of you can only stay within five kilometres if you're in Melbourne, not two years of that. But you know what I mean? There has been this external curtailing of what ought to be a period of exploration. So we want to see that starting to happen again and being realistic about you can't just grab everything all at once. What's what's going to be um, realistic expectation? And so how do we how do we bolster, how do we scaffold young people developing coping strategies? And here we're checking in about, well, are they any good at problem solving? Do we model problem solving for them? Do we do we model how you might cope with things that are stressful from an emotional perspective? Do we think about, well, how do we bring in family? Um, where that's appropriate for a young person. Some young people have no idea how to problem solve. And so we do that, oh, well, you know, what's, what's the thing that's most 
pressing for you, of all the things that are pressing for you. Oh, righto. Why is that, you know, why is that a problem in particular? What's it having an impact on? Um, what have you tried already? What's worked a little bit? What hasn't worked at all? What, you know, what are the next steps? That is modelling problem solving when you all do those things with young people. But we can't assume that they just have those skills. Um, and, you know, that we, are, we always move to do we need to think about mental health difficulties more formally and what needs to, what, what's the care team or who needs to be there for the young person. And we shouldn't ignore the broader um, supportive structures that might be there but that a young person hasn't quite realised that they're there. So those supportive structures may well be within the family, may be within their schools, may be about how do they connect with peers. So we, we do this when we problem solve, when we check in with young people. All right, we might pause there to see if there are any, any particular questions out of that. I think all of you will know this well. This is what your what is part of your work all the time with young people and and many of you do this intuitively without really thinking about it very much of what is it what is this thing but it mustn't be underestimated how important it is. <laughs> 